This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. This week, for episode 344, I am joined by two freshly carved pumpkins, smiling, glowing, and promising a comforting autumn season. Kate Lamphier. Hello. And Kate Scotchless. Whoa. Oh, God. <laughs> Hold on. That pumpkin's not so nice. Um, thank you both for joining me this week. I'm super duper excited to be talking about a, a yearly favorite topic of ours at this point, which is fall vibes, but for comics. Uh, before we get into talking about that stuff, I do want to remind everybody that on Patreon, we were doing this series a little while ago called Saga of Saga. And when Saga came back, we decided, you know what? We should bring Saga of Saga back, which is our Patreon series. So make sure to check out patreon.com slash IRCB podcast because Saga of Saga is coming back this month and only patrons get access to that. So make sure to head over to patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. So enough of that, enough shilling. Let's get into comic books. Let me ask the two legally mandated questions that I have for the show. And that is, how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kate Lamphere. I've been great. It's uh, it's that time of year where it's starting to get kind of cold, but it's still occasionally warm. So I got one good day this week of sitting on the porch and reading comics before I have to wear gloves for the rest of the year. <laughs> um, I did want to mention that we we had a creator named Kevo on the show a while back, mm-hmm. and uh, he was talking about his Kickstarter for a book called Z Class, and I backed that Kickstarter. And it got funded and he just got his books. It's very exciting. And uh, he's having a launch party at my local coffee shop less than a mile away from me. It's I am just delighted by this. It always seems like Kickstarters that are that are created by people like half the U.S. continent or more away. So this feels exceptionally small world to me. Like I can walk there. <laughs> um, and it makes me wonder if Kevo found the podcast by knowing someone who knows one of us personally, like how many degrees of Kevin Bacon or or degrees of IRCB is he away from yeah. us? I you know, when 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 they were on the show, I actually was talking to them before we started recording. Um, and they are like a huge fan. Like they've listened to a lot of the, like it, all of the episodes. They're probably listening to this one. So Kevo, hello. We love you. Uh, we're super excited about your book finally, you know, coming out to people. Uh, but yeah, like it was a it was a really fun conversation. They're wonderful. Yeah, I I also recognized their art in in the coffee shop one day when I went in. Like it's it's not like terribly close to the door. So I was just looking around and going, oh, how busy is it? Wait a second. What is that? I recognize that. Whose work mm-hmm. is that? Um, <laughs> that's so cool so uh, on the off chance that you are that you are local to west michigan uh their their book release is this friday october 7th at 6 30 to 9 p.m at full circle coffee in byron center michigan or if you're not local check out their instagram at z, z class comics if you just want to wish them luck uh to get into the comics that i have read uh, I wanted to talk about a book called The Golden Hour by Nikki Smith. This is a young adult OGN about a middle school boy named Manuel, and he witnesses a shooting. And so this book is him dealing with his PTSD. And in true YA fashion, it's also about dealing with trauma and making friends. Uh, and I <laughs> and I particularly enjoyed a few specific aspects of this book. The friends that Manuel makes are all involved in like this agriculture club or 4-H, if you're familiar with that, um, or I recognize it as 4-H. That's not what it's called in the book. But anyway, sure. one of his friends lives on a farm out in the middle of nowhere. Um, very familiar to my upbringing. I did not live on a farm, but like half of the people that I know did. And 
Manuel ends up helping this friend raise a calf, calf that he's going to show at the town fair. So like you get lots of illustrations of this adorable little cow. And Manuel's grounding mechanism for his PTSD is photography. And everybody around him is very supportive of of that, of the of his art. Like they all understand, oh, this is what you need to do to like stay present and, and be okay. And um, so here's a camera and this looks great. Good job. You know, <laughs> it's very uplifting. Mm-hmm. And there are a number of panels where uh, the the art is styled as Polaroids, but uh, there are some other panels that actually show uh, Manuel having a panic attack. And I think that those panels are really well done. Like everything gets black and white and kind of looks sketched. And then the other people around him kind of become these like kind of vague sort of aggressive outlines. And it's just, it's really well done to the point where I understand kind of where he's at mentally, like what he's going through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I actually found this on a list of good comics to read during the fall, but this story actually spans most of the year. So I don't know if if the fall aspect of this is just, you know, it starts in the fall or if it's because the, the cover of the book is like really nicely like fall colors. <laughs> it's actually right. a sunset, okay. but... Dude, I almost grabbed this book to read for today's show uh, because the cover looks like, oh, it's like golden hour. Like it looks like they're sitting on a farm. It's got that like they're wearing hoodies out on a cold, like nice green area. Like to me, that's what fall is. And we'll talk about this more in the second half. But oh, my God, I think I would have been broken. I don't think I would have been able to do today's show if I would read this. Kate. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> and and who the hell is putting this book on a fall vibes book? I just want to get it. I want to. We're going to talk about that. I just. I've got a lot to say about today's topic. That's all. Awesome. Someone who's gone through some shit in the fall, apparently. <laughs> it is a very good book. I gave it five stars. Um, just oh, just for sure. going in that it's about trauma. <laughs> right, right, right. It's not about like getting cozy and like having a cup of tea out in the right. you know cold like forty degree weather. Oh, geez, oh, peace. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that it's good though. Very cool. Kate, what have you read? So I also was seeking out fall vibes and my pick uh to talk about so, so that it's not in the second half is another failed fall vibes comic yes. <laughs> so i read witches of brooklyn uh what the hex which is the second witches of brooklyn book by sophie escabase i talked about the first one on the show before and talked about how it was good but it was pretty uneven and mm-hmm. I like the art, but the storytelling and the writing was just like it, it came off as someone's first book, right? Which it was. And sure. so that's le- legit. I don't know if she just massively leveled up her game, got a better editor or what, but this book was so much better. So the art is just as solid, but the storytelling and writing quality and like pacing and everything is just order of magnitude better. I love this book. So witches, obviously, I thought fall stuff. It's not. It's all set in the middle of winter in Brooklyn. It's absolutely a good winter read if you're going for seasonal stuff. Um, But this is set. It's a middle grade OGN. So we do obviously learn about the power of friendship. Uh, (laughs) But the... This isn't a world where witches are just a thing and not like hidden or whatever. So um, our main character is a middle schooler who lives with her two witch aunts. And she is now adjusted. The first book, she's like the new kid. She's just got sent to live with her aunts and all that. But this book, she's adjusted. But now she's not the new girl anymore. There's a new new girl. And that new girl has made friends with our main character's best friend. And if you have ever been a middle schooler, you know that this 
is a problem. <laughs> and so it's all about, this book is about um, not, not judging people without knowing them and, you know, giving people a chance and the power of friendship and how people can be friends with multiple people. It's very sweet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's also a fun little mystery that they have to solve as witches in the, like helping the community of like what's going on in this basically cursed uh, corner of like intersection in Brooklyn where all these accidents and problems are happening. That's Brooklyn for you. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so it's a lot of fun. It is very low stakes, which is what I am eternally looking for these days. Mm -hmm. And I guess like the other thing I throw out there is if you have children in your life, you want to pass stuff to, this is really good in the sense that it is a diverse cast of characters. It is all the things we kind of want to see in our children's books to get kids to be good little citizens, right? And so I like seeing that um, just because I'm like, oh, man, I'm so glad that like the popular books for kids these days have, you know, characters of color and characters from other countries. And it, it the her classroom actually looks like a classroom would in Brooklyn versus just right. Um, say, it would be pretty dishonest for a book based in New York City to not have a diverse cast of characters exactly. because like. It's that's absurd. Anyways, exactly. at least a cast like or school or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, anyways. Yeah. So I like that aspect of the book. And it doesn't it isn't just like the way some comics are where it's like the colorist made it of people of color. Like it's actually like their people have different cultures and are celebrating different holidays and mm -hmm, uh, in the mm -hmm. winter. And so they did a really nice job with that. And I really like that. Um, so I would definitely recommend this. You do need to read the first book first. Uh, okay. in the series it is very much a number two so cool how about you mike what's well, i you know i'm i do want to say before i get into mine i'm glad that you kept going with this book because i i do recall you kind of feeling like this first book was lacking mm -hmm. and like almost like a, i don't know if i could continue if i want to continue yeah. reading this but i know you and i know you're like you know i'm gonna give this a try like yep. which is good but like it's good to hear that that the next volume wasn't the same kind of like shortcomings that the first one did it sounds like this is a much better more well-rounded story so that's that's really great to hear yeah i it's interesting watching creators grow as creators right yeah. like i know we've yeah. talked about that with other folks on the show as well and this is such an obvious significant growth from book one to book two i i was really pleasantly surprised and you know awesome way to go sophie <laughs> <laughs> well we we'll put that that's the that's the pull quote we're gonna put on the back it's just way to go <laughs> sophie uh but for me i guess uh i didn't read a lot i read i read some single issues that i kind of just don't want to talk about i did read a lot of fall vibes books for the second half a lot of stinkers this past month i'll just oh, say no. that uh as i'm getting caught up on like the books that i've i was sick and then like i just ran out of time and i didn't have time to read anything as i was trying to get caught off like, a lot of stuff just stinks, which is kind of a bummer. Um, but that's that's a whole other different topic. I did read one superb comic book, though, uh, and that is Stages of Rot by Linnea Sturt. Uh, this is a book published by PEOW Studios, who's like an independent publisher. I think they're shutting down at the end of this year or something. They've made like a big announcement about it. Maybe they changed their minds. I can't remember. Um, but they are uh, they're like an independent publishing studio that just makes what they consider really good comics. Um, and their definition is very different than I think the definition of like a vault comics or an image comics where they're trying to make comics in a way that like works for the market. But instead, POW, what they do is they just make really limited run high quality comic books. So like uh, like I own a couple of them, like this stages of rod is one. It's printed out really, really fine 
um, really, really solid paper. Uh, the, the cover is like shiny and it's very well done. Like it costs a little bit more, but these are like limited items that are are extremely high quality with the intention of like, this is a piece of art that you're buying. This isn't just necessarily a comic book. And again, this is not me trying to disparage single issue comics. You know, I think I'm writing on the, the same line as Tia where I think floppies are the death of the comic book industry, but that's a whole other thing again. Anyway, so PEOW, they've done a lot of different things and they don't just print like standard foreign comics. They print comics of various shapes and sizes and paper quality and different directions. Like I, uh, anyways, I, I, I could go on and on about them. Check them out. They have a website, PEOWstudios.com. Um, but this is this book stages of rot has been on my to read list for a really long while like i heard when it came out that it was really good and i was like oh i'll just i'll just grab it some other time and then it went out of print because that's what they do um so this is the third print that they've done of this book and it was in a limited pretty limited run i think um that they did when they did a kickstarter for a frog in the fall which is Sturt's uh another book that Sturt did with peow but they did it through kickstarter and um Yes, yeah, the stages of rot it basically follows the death of this massive sky whale and how like the end of its life leads to growth and strife and evolution and perseverance of all these people on this fantasy world or sci-fi world far far away from everything. This world exists with like animals flying through the sky constantly. Like the ocean is not the ocean. The ocean is the sky. And so when this this whale dies, it changes the ecosystem for all of the land beneath, right? So the story kind of it's got a loose story. It doesn't really have a narrative so much as it has a series of perspectives broken up into different chapters um, of what happens as the stages of rot persist, as this thing goes from live body that crashes to the land to rotting corpse to re bone remains to striving for like growth of a forest to the future. And it's, it's really interesting to see how quickly the perspective changes based on how characters simply enter the story and then suddenly we're following them and then uh, an organism starts to fly away and now we follow that until we meet another character. I, it's, I don't know. Again, very loose narrative. It's kind of just you getting snapshots into what's happening in this world. And it feels like, like Sturt really wanted to experiment with just drawing still life or drawing real life things in, in kind of a sci-fi world. Uh, people call this sci-fi. It's kind of like that blend of sci-fi and fantasy where it exists in a space where both are happening at once. But yeah, she's definitely doing like character studies on different animals and different fantasy animals. Um, like everything is very much inspired by what appears to be like scientific photographs, but with her own bent on art inside of it. So like you get these hyper detailed like bug pictures and then you'll get these like ephemeral floating fish animals way off in the distance. It's, it's really, really well done. But yeah, it mostly feels just like exploration, like wanting to try to draw every type of natural thing from bugs to to mammals to amphibians and reptiles and fish and anything that she could possibly think up that could work in this world. And if you're drawing nature, like everything works. But she really was pushing the boundaries, I think, of like still art and storytelling by implying a lot of sci-fi concepts that I think if you reread this book, you could take away a totally different narrative from it than the first time you read it or the second time you read it or the third time you read it. And ultimately what I'm saying is I can't wait to reread this book. It's gorgeous. It's really easy to read. It's not long. And the, the little extra that they added in this third edition is like, it's supposed to be like a, an examination of blood samples found, but like it's her just again, experimenting with this idea of wanting to try to draw these semi-fantastical biological things. Um, it's, it's so impressive. Um, I, I, again, I cannot, recommend buying this book 
uh, anymore. I think if you can get it while it's still in print, go do it. Go to shop.peowstudio.com um, or grab anything else that this company has published. I was talking to Nick about this book and I was like, man, I've been meaning to buy a couple of these other books. I think they're going out of business this year. So I just bought like four more books <laughs> from them. Uh, it, it's, I don't know, it's really good. I, I've been impressed by like everything that they've published. I think I've talked about a couple of their books on here before um, that I've grabbed and it's all super high quality stuff. And I can't wait to read. I should have read it for today's episode, A Frog in the Fall. That's like a story about a frog person in the like fall as things are changing, but I didn't get around to it. So anyways, great book. If you get a chance, go read it. I, I think you'll love it. It's a I just it's so beautiful. Like the cover alone should impress you. And then when you get to the inside, there's even more of the cover. Like it's it's fucking crazy. Um, do you, anyways, do you remember where you first found one of their books? I remember seeing an article about this book um, when it was pr- first published and thinking that is the most beautiful cover of a comic book I've seen in a really long time. Uh, and then I never picked it up. And I don't know why. Um, I again, I think it was like, a, who, who's going to pay $25 for an original graphic <laughs> novel? Like, that's where my head was. Um, little did I know, I was an idiot. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, so anyways, I, it took me too long to get this, but I'm glad that I finally got my copy um, along with the Kickstarter that they did. And uh, yeah, it looks like the, the link that you posted in Discord, Brian has a the, the blood codex that that they added on to the end of the book, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, really good stuff. But yeah, let's let's move on. Let's talk about comic books that are that we're going to be reading next comics on the top of our pile whether they're new old or just something you want to reread anything goes let's jump into it so kate let's start with you kate lamphere i am looking at a book called lucy by patrick nobert and tatino libertone and this is a bond dessinée and the english release is this week I think um, this has been a really difficult. <laughs> this has been a really difficult release to find more information on, and I don't know if it's because this already exists in another language, so they're like, "Oh, people will be able to find information," or or mm-hmm. what's going on. But um, I've I found just enough to know that it's coming out, and otherwise, it's uh, it's just a description and a cover, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but this book is about Lucy, which is the name of of a set of remains of a female ancient hominid found in Ethiopia. And they're like, these remains are something like 3 million years old, like extremely old. And, um, but Kate, the world is only 6,000 years old. How's <laughs> this? <laughs> how's this possible? <laughs> Xander cut that. Cut that. <laughs> um, Anyway, this uh, this set of remains was named after the Beatles song, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. And based off of the cover and the little bit of commentary that I can find online about this, like the stars are actually a big part of the story. Like it seems like the creator actually pulled some of that idea from the song and kind of leaned into that um, to to tell the story of Lucy. And it seems like it, this book is, is the story of what Lucy's like might have been like when she was alive. There's... Um, the the cover and a a very small set of preview pages that i could find has her with like a a child a baby um kind of walking around looking um in the woods and the sky really seems to like uh have a have a big influence on the art in this book like um it's a prominent part of the cover for example anyway this just looks really beautiful and i i love that they that somebody came up with the idea to to tell a story about this this Mm -hmm. person um this creature this uh this being and um i i just i hope i can find it (laughs) because 
because it's hard <laughs> to find information about. Yeah, I, I'm Googling it. Uh, there's not a lot. Like I'm like, no, no, no. Kate's just bad at Google. No, it turns out there's actually. <laughs> I also hope that that was the case. Uh, there's a yeah. The website that I'm looking at is like, oh no, it's fifty dollars to buy. Oh, no. So you know, fingers crossed. I mean, it looks like it's a pretty big book. So, um, yeah, it's like an oversized format too. So I think you're gonna and looking at the previews that this guy has on his site, it look it's like extremely detailed artwork. Right. Like yeah. It's insane. So fingers crossed. You know, everybody out there, if you know where to get this, send us some links. We'd love to hear it. IRCBpodcast at gmail.com. I feel like Bond SNAs have this like magical quality to them that I, I can't say aren't in Western comics, but there's something particularly magical about them, even if the stories themselves are not like fantasy. And this mm-hmm. this story, the little bit um, of previews that I saw kind of gives me the same vibe. Like it's it's a very real topic, you know, like this this being existed at at one point and and trying to think about what their life might have been like is really neat. Um, but there is something mm-hmm. that's kind of whimsical and and beautiful and kind of unearthly in the tone of this art to me. So the last time I wanted to read a $50 uh, graphic novel, I requested it from my local library. They didn't have it and you couldn't get it on a Melcat. So I requested that they purchase it and it worked. So just throwing it out there that I know KDL lets you request books too like that if they don't have them in their collection. So the the page the page that I'm seeing for the release this week it says it's twenty dollars. So hopefully when there there are more uh, languages available, it'll be more affordable. Is my hope. Good. Nice. Nice. Well. Let us know the saga of your, your. Uh, I guess we'll call this Kate Tries to Find Lucy, right? This right? is like a big discovery <laughs> documentary um, of you trying to track down this original graphic graphic novel, or this Bond Desenea, as they translated into English. Um, but Kate Scottress, what are you looking forward to? What's on the top of your pile? You're not going to believe what what category of books this is in. Hold on. Let me do the Johnny Carson moment where I pull out the envelope. <laughs> I'm seeing Y-A-O-G-N. <laughs> middle grade, actually. Middle grade, Mike. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I am excited for, I checked it out from the library already. It's sitting on my shelf. Beetle and the Hollow Bones by Eliza Lane. It's a middle grade OGN. It's a Stonewall honor book about... Mm. Um, a uh, 12-year-old little goblin, uh, witch in training, which are like relatable. I too am a little goblin. Uh, <laughs> and her name is Beetle, and she enlists her former best friend, Cat Hollowbones, to help stop Cat's sorceress aunt from demolishing the mall where Beetle's friend um Blob the Ghost is trapped. All right. So I didn't know that you were reading my notes for our D D game, but like what the hell? <laughs> It's like, I am so excited for this. I'm hoping for fall vibes, but even if they're not there, this just sounds so ridiculously cute and fun and blob the ghost. How could this not be great? Come on. Just the cover art alone sold me when I was, I I got this book shelf browsing at the library. Like I'd never heard of it. I was just going Mm -hmm. through, um, you know, elbowing little kids out of the way in the children's (laughs) section, graphic novels. (laughs) It's it's convenient because their heads are like elbow level, you know. Um, <laughs> wow! <laughs> oh my god! Just kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was just shelf browsing and saw this, and I was like, "This looks amazing." Um, so I'm I'm excited. Uh, this is almost certainly going to be what I do right after the show because it is beautiful porch reading weather here today, 
uh and i want to take advantage of it so dude this book i just looked it up it looks so cute oh my god yeah and the stonewall honor um and winners i have yet to read one that wasn't a delight you know like they mm-hmm. they pick mm-hmm. good books um delight or heartbreaking i mean like well, not necessarily happy but in general it's one of those awards that they do a really good job um so you can be fairly confident that you're going to get a good mm-hmm. read man i'd love to talk to the people who are on this board or whatever that that approve these types of things because like these must be like how, again how are you finding these books first off but two like these folks must have like a really really good like mindset on things that's awesome that's so cool for me, I guess before I get into my top of my pile, uh, we've got some folks hanging out with us on Discord, or at least they were for a little bit, uh, and they sent over their Discord picks for this week, what they're going to be reading on the top of their from the top of their pile. Uh, Kev is going to be reading that Fantastic Four Full Circle book, which I think came out from Alex Ross, not published by Marvel, published by Simon & Schuster, I think. Um, either way, it looks really, really cool. It looks like Alex Ross, not just doing painting stuff, actually drawing and using like inks and everything it looks it's pretty cool and i was making this argument to nick and i'm just gonna say this can you tell the difference between greg smallwood's art and alex ross's art in this style i'd love to see anybody like have that discussion because quite honestly i don't want to say one person's ripping off another person but it's very very similar um either way this book looks amazing and i'm kind of kicking myself for not having grabbed a copy yet so i'm probably going to grab one as well Danny's going to be reading Batman 128, and Hugh is going to be reading Dark Ride number one. I have no idea what that is, but I'm going to guess that it's somehow Ghost Rider. How did I know? Nope, this is jo- it's Joshua Williamson doing a, a story about the devil. So, you know, okay, that's fine. Um, but that also looks fun. I think I have that on my pull list. For me, though, book that I'm reading that I'm looking forward to next uh, is Earth Divers number one. This is written by Stephen Graham Jones, art by Davy- David Gian Felice. I'm going to try it. That's, that's where I'm going to try that. Um, the synopsis of this story is the year is 2112, and it's the apocalypse exactly as expected. Rivers receding, oceans rising, civilization crumbling. Humanity has given up hope except for a group of outcast indigenous survivors who have discovered a time travel portal in a cave in the middle of the desert and have figured out where the world took a sharp turn for the worse. America. <laughs> Convinced that the only way to save the world is to rewrite its past, they send one of their own on a bloody one-way mission back to 1492 to kill Christopher Columbus wow. <laughs> before he reaches the so-called new world. But taking down an icon is not so easy, and his actions could prove devastating for his friends in the future. This sounds absurd, um, and it sounds super dumb fun, and it's written by a Native American author. So I'm really curious to like just see how this story unfolds. Uh, Stephen Graham Jones is a Blackfoot Native American author of experimental fiction, horror fiction, and crime and science fiction. I've never heard of their work, but apparently it's kind of a big deal for IDW to get this author to work on a comic. So I'm up for it. The, it this, the cover looks beautiful. The art from the previews that I've seen look, looks great. Um, this is probably going to be a fun romp, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Plus, killing Christopher Columbus, like going back in time, let's kill Hitler. What a weak idea compared <laughs> to going back in time and killing Christopher Columbus as far as I'm concerned. There are two ways we as IRCB comic book readers deal with the impending doom and collapse of society. One yes. is OG, middle grade OGNs. The other <laughs> is Mike's fantasy comic. <laughs> yes um this looks really cool but yeah so i'm looking forward to this i'm sure it's going to be a fun ride um so i'll let you guys all know next week what i thought of it but um anyways let's take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about fall vibes but comics and i have a lot to say about how people write articles on the internet about what's considered quote-unquote fall vibes and all i can say now is that it's a bunch of bullshit so we'll be back in just a second <laughs> 
This week on I Read Comic Books, we are talking about fall vibes, but for comics. We've done this in the past, so we're definitely going to try not to retread on any previous books um, and basically give you suggestions for things that you can read all throughout the fall months as they are. We've entered this month of October and into November, and you just want to hold on to that feeling of wearing a, a nice sweater and sitting by a fire and drinking some warm tea on a, on a brisk day. Um, you know, as the as the leaves change, assuming you're in the United States, I don't know if you live elsewhere, I guess, upper northeastern part of the United States, this really applies to but if you live elsewhere, you can imagine this idea, you can go watch a Hallmark movie where this is happening. And then you can take that in if you want to hold on to that Hallmark movie idea, but not actually feel like you're in a Hallmark movie that's like, really weird and has really bad plot, you can read these comics that have really good plot for the most part. And we're going to jump into some stuff. So I guess, Kate Scotchless, let's start with you. What's one of the books that's on your fall vibes list for 2022? If you read no other fall vibes books, you have to pick up Garlic and the Vampire by Brie Paulson. It is a middle grade book about anxiety. Uh, but it is the most <laughs> wholesome, cozy fall vibes with just beautiful, beautiful art. So, well, earlier we talked about a book with fall vibes that was about anxiety. It did not sound as <laughs> solid. So you're going to have to really sell us so, here. <laughs> this one. So there's a witch. And to help her with her work, she has essentially animated a bunch of these little vegetable creatures. And one of them is garlic. They're all okay. named just what they are. And Garlic always feels as though she's doing something wrong. And she is just a very anxious in the most, a lot of times anxious uh, anxiety in, especially in kids books can come off like exaggerated or cringy or something like it just, like, mm -hmm. but it's so authentic in this book of just like an anxious kid, basically. And like, oh, yeah. I don't feel confident in myself and my ability to do stuff. I need someone kind of there. And so she has her friend Carrot by her side and the kindly witch Agnes encouraging her. And she's just happy to tend her garden where it's nice and safe. And she has her little, you know, safe zone. And that's where she wants to stay. But when her village of vegetable folk learns that a bloodthirsty vampire has moved into the nearby castle, they all agree that in spite of her fear and self-doubt, Garlic is the obvious choice to confront him because Garlic's in vampires, right? Uh -huh. So everyone's counting on her and she reluctantly agrees to face this mysterious vampire. And there is a twist. I don't want to get into it, but the whole thing is set in basically New England fall, and it's just beautiful. The color palette mm -hmm. is great. It's a very quick read, and the sequel, um, Garlic and the Witch, just came out like a couple days ago. I already requested it from Melcat, the Michigan Interlibrary Loan System. Cannot wait for it to come to me. Uh, so excited. This is just the sweetest, coziest book. If you it, like, Oh, my God. I just looked at the cover for this book, but that's the most adorable protagonist <laughs> right? I've and ever seen. And you're just seen. rooting for her so hard the whole time. Every time there's like a bully <laughs> vegetable and every time the bully vegetable is mean to oh, her, no. you just want to just <laughs> mm, put him in a stew. <laughs> Wait, no, Kate, stop. They're alive. <laughs> oh, my God. This looks this looks incredible. I I I love these episodes because I feel like I would have never looked at this book a second time, just seeing the spine or something at a bookshop. But this looks fantastic. Oh, my God. Like the first preview pages are like garlic waking up and there's a note on her desk that says, I tried to wake you up. If you're late, it's your fault. <laughs> 
yep. from her friend Carrot, which like like right off the bat, just some 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 blunt jokes. That's really, really fun. It's so good. So Kate, you read some witch books too, right? Yeah. I read a book called Witch for Hire by Ted Nafee, and that's a that's a name that's going to keep coming back around because somehow I got on a Ted Nafee kick for for this episode. <laughs> okay, um, but he also illustrated the Good Neighbors series by Holly Black, which is a set of three books that are a little creepier than this than this book is. Um, but if you're a fan of Holly Black or like dark fairy books, check that series out. This book, Witch for Hire, is about Faye Faulkner, who is considered a freak at her school. She's she's actually a witch. Um, her friends are, are all kind of temporary. They all start sitting at her lunch table and then kind of finding their place in school and leaving her. So she never really allows anybody to really get close. Um, doesn't really make like long lasting friends on purpose. And oh, uh, that's really sad. Like, <laughs> like you're just like. You're like the stepladder friend. Like, that's awful. Oh, my God. Um, she doesn't meet. <laughs> is this some... what Fall Vibes is? What the <laughs> hell, you guys? <laughs> um, she does meet a new friend, which this book follows. Um, and and that friend kind of helps her uh, uh, find some friendship. But uh, in, in the story of this book, there's a new pattern of, of behavior that starts around the school, particularly by people who want to be popular. And this behavior all traces back to one one singular influence of somebody online. So there's kind of like a cyberbullying aspect to this this book as well, except that it's uh, it's a supernatural element and not a person. Uh, so it gets a little like uh, uh, Halloween creature esque, I guess, toward the okay. end of it. Okay. And um, the, so this story is ultimately about like handling bullies and, and making and keeping friends, choosing to, to allow yourself to get close to people, you know. Um, and in terms of what it makes this book a good fall vibes book, I feel like I mean, other than it being about a witch and a supernatural creature, like the colors of the book are very fall to me. Like there's a lot of oranges <laughs> in the branding and uh, like the rest of the coloring is kind of like this dark greens, dark blues, very like deep in the forest kind of colors, even though it's at a school. Like I'm pretty sure that they like they were in the design uh, co- coloring discussions about this book. And they were like, yeah, just make it fall. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was looking at the preview for this. Like I did not do my research, apparently going into this episode. I probably should have vetted all of your picks because I'm looking through some of these books <laughs> And the preview for this book in particular, uh, there's a very, very rough panel where like this, where she goes to sit down and someone has written in French fries, spend the time to write this in French fries, kill yourself, loser. Like, what the hell, Kate? Please tell me this like rounds itself out to actually be a little bit heartwarming. Okay. (laughs) Holy smokes. If it's not, you can have a chaser of garlic and the vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So here's what I think I I figured out what the formula is going to be for this episode is like, if you don't like what Mike and Kate uh, Lamphere have picked, just go with what Kate Scotchless picked. Gotcha. (laughs) But well, that's it sounds nice. It does sound nice. I mean, all that being said, jokes aside, like the art looks beautiful. I will say like it really, really looks like a nice book. I I like that if it's going to be more than like just cyberbullying and stuff like that there's actually some supernatural element that sounds really fun um and yeah just from the colors like you said that, that it does look very like folly it does feel like start of the school year i feel like that's going to be a common theme among some of our picks for today i think that's in general a theme around our, our fall vibes picks it you know in, from previous episodes 
Yeah. Mike, what have you been reading for this for fall vibes? <laughs> Where are you getting your fall vibes from? My fall vibes. Okay, well, I'm going to talk about a book that I like. I actually read a couple of books for today that I didn't like, unfortunately, because they fit the 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 feeling or the idea of fall vibes, but they barely delivered. So, um, but I did read one that's amazing. Um, I really, really, really do recommend it. Um, and that would be Oh, wait, I, I mis- misnumbered things. I'm going to end this on a good note. So we're going to start with the bad books. My bad. I forgot. I changed my mind in the break. We're going to start with a book that fits the fall vibes thing to a T, but ultimately doesn't deliver. And that is An Unkindness of Ravens. This is by Dan Penosian. Um, Pencils and Inks by Mariana Ignazzi. Colors by Fabiana Mascolo. And Letters by Mike Fiorentino. Um, the synopsis of this book is not all witches burned during the Salem witch trials and the ones that survived did so together, protecting the ancient secrets entrusted to them for the generations. They call themselves the Ravens. Wilma is a new girl in school and she plans to go completely unnoticed, except that she bears an eerie resemblance to the Raven member Waverly, who just went missing. The truth behind Waverly's dis- disappearance will put the entire coven in danger and Wilma will have to rely on her power. She never knew she had if she wants to save her friends. Um, this book had a lot going for it, honestly. Um, it's Salem Witch Trials lore. Like I think the the writing each chapter of the story or each issue of the story, I should say, starts with this like two or three page kind of lore dump that's done with like this very unique art style um, with like typewriter font and stuff. The, there's like warring factions of witches and you get to meet all the witches and all the different people who have power in the in this new city of Crab's Eye. That's what it's called for some reason. Um, it's, there's like a murder mystery element to it. New girl in school, you know, that's like a thing. Starting a new school usually starts in the fall, especially in the, you know, over here in the United States. There's mean girl clicks. I don't know. For some reason, that just like people being <laughs> clicky. That's like a, a fall vibes thing in my mind for high school. But unfortunately, this book really doesn't deliver on a satisfying story. All of the buildup is pretty well done, but the ending of this book, having it only be five issues, feels so rushed. Like all of the resolution happens in one issue. There's no payoff for a lot of the setup. Um, Everything feels like a mystery and a left turn and a left turn and a left turn only for us to be back on the straight and narrow path at the end. Um, And I don't know. I feel like the big reveal was like a throwaway line. Like someone says the big reveal in the story as like a one liner in a small panel. And then you're supposed to be like, oh my gosh, but it's, it's like barely even like noted upon because another big thing is happening. But I will say the art is very good. Um, it's it's super, I don't know, it's super high quality. It doesn't feel rushed. It feels like there's there's a lot of artists out there that can do, I think, like chunky and thin lines all together in one. And I think that this book really does that. The colors of the book are impeccable. They, they really managed to hint at some things that later in the book pay off, like different color patterns that people wear or the colors that are around them when they show up on screen is really well done or in the, in the panel, I should say. And yeah, I think the character designs were extremely unique. Like everybody, there's no way you can misinterpret anybody as anybody else. Um, even though there's like these characters that are part of the this witch coven called the Ravens, they all have very unique styles. And I wish that we could have explored more with them because they're kind of just there to look unique. Um, and then there's the the clicks. Uh, there's like the the other side of things. This other this other coven that you don't know that is a coven. It's kind of weird. Like they spoil it in the synopsis, but it's like a mystery in the story. They have a very unique style and look. Um, that's but then they like everybody falls away except for one character. And again, this is where like the story kind of falls apart. In that I feel like the first two issues build up a lot of really unique, colorful characters, and then they all fall away at the end in order to deliver this kind of bad twist. Um, that isn't doesn't really have any like 
like build up. It's like it just seems to be a deus ex machina for the ending. I mean, I, I mean, you could probably walk into this book and predict it from page one, like I kind of did, but I didn't want that to be the twist. And then it turns out that it is. So oh, unfortunately, bad. this book is just it's just not. I don't know. For me, it's it's kind of a bummer. Uh, I think if this had been like a twelve issue series, it actually would have worked because it has the feeling of. It wants to explore the town. It wants to explore the history. It wants to explore all of these characters that are introduced. It just doesn't it doesn't have the time to deliver in five issues. But if you're looking for fall vibes, this book totally has it like it's all of like going into spooky, you know, half molting and colorful forests and stuff. Um, it's all there. It's just the story is kind of underwhelming. So. Yeah, but I, I would have loved to, have, like I said, loved to have seen this been like 10 issues or 12 issues because I think that fleshed out and stretched a little bit. This this would be an amazing like little two volume story or, you know, big oversized um, graphic novel. So that's that's my, one of my books. Have you guys have you guys heard about this book Because it came out in like 2020 from Boom? Yeah, I read number one at one point. OK, OK. Um, so maybe, you know, a little bit what I'm talking about here, Kate. Yeah, I gave it four stars and didn't leave a review. And I kind of remember it as being a little uh, a little underwhelming, I guess. So four stars for you is a two star review. Is that what I'm- <laughs> I mean, I, th- I, I think I did enjoy like pieces of it, but then I didn't continue it and I didn't leave a, a glowing review or anything like that. So sure, sure. Um, yeah, well, I guess we can we can move on from from my bad pick. Let's let's move back over to you, Kate Scotchless. What's what's another book that you read? Well, this one. I, I, as the best podcaster, have brought you a really good book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you okay. should check out Mooncakes. So this is an OGN, uh, YA, LGBT, very good, uh, By written by Suzanne Walker, art by Wendy Yu, and lettering by Jomet Gill. And it's set in autumn in a New England small town. And it's a story mm-hmm. of love and personal demons and actual demons and family <sighs> and witchcraft, right? So your main character, Nova, um, is a teen witch, and she works at her grandmother's bookshop uh, where she helps them loan out spell books and investigate any supernatural occurrences in this New England small town. And one night, she's following reports of this white wolf that's out in the woods and comes across her childhood crush, who happens to be a werewolf. Uh, Her childhood crush's name is Tam. Uh And Tam has been wandering from place to place for years, unable to, like, settle down or anything, pursued by dark forces uh, that want to basically use her werewolf magic to do evil things. And so Nova and her grandmothers take Tam in and they, you know, latent feelings are rekindled. We're teenagers. (laughs) We're sharing a bedroom. Uh, It's a sleepover like the olden days. But is it? Are we going to kiss? Oh, it's great. Um, (laughs) And then they have to figure out. So Tam doesn't know how to harness her. (laughs) Brian posted, it's the hormone monster. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, Doesn't know how to harness her werewolf magic. So a lot of this is built around them trying to research in this their little spellbook library and practice together and stuff like that so it's kind of that rekindling of friendship but also are we something more and all about like family ties and what what it means to be family like Mm -hmm. because tam has like a very bad family life but then is family always blood and stuff like that right but it's also just a really fun mystery with twists you don't see coming it's very well done so this isn't just like 
uh, cozy and lighthearted. This uh, has more punch to it. It has it'll keep you turning the pages. And the whole time you're in New England fall and dealing with witches and demons and stuff. So it is the perfect fall read. I have read this several times now. Uh, always yeah. reread it in the fall because it's just, when else would you reread it? Um, highly recommend. Yeah, I, I own a copy of this book. I bought it a while ago. I rated it four stars on Goodreads. I don't remember. I don't remember if I wrote a review for it, but like, this is pretty good. It's a pretty solid book. I, I think like I, this is one of those books that I would give to someone to be like, this is what a YA book yes, is. Like, exactly. this, this is what you should read as like a teenager, you it's know, um, very it's YA in that regard. Yeah. 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 I've read this too and and loved it. I think I think my criticisms of this book, because it's weird because I, I have like a weird, bad taste in my mouth about this book and I can't remember what it is, which is probably enough reason for me to say, all right, Mike, you need to go reread this yeah. book. Um. But I, I remember feeling like some of the story was a little disjointed. But then as you're telling it, I'm like, no, no, no. But it all kind of clicked. So, you know, I think I got to go reread this book. And you know what? It's the perfect time of year, I it, guess. It does kind of click. The only thing I could see is um, the art is stylized in a way that might might not have appealed as perfectly uh, sure. for everyone. So to each their own. I mean, but, but it is YA. Like if you're just like, I strictly do not like YA books, this isn't for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100% agreed. How about you? I read uh, another book or two more books actually that kind of go together by Ted Nafee. This, uh, the first one I want to talk about is called The Courtney Crumran Volume 1, The Night Things. And this focuses on a middle schooler whose family moves into her elderly uncle's mansion and her uncle turns out to be a warlock and his mansion is infested with goblins, which no one has mentioned yet by the end of volume one. <laughs> um, wait, wait, how do we know that it's infested by goblins then? Or is that them. just in the synopsis? <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, she's very unpopular at school and her parents don't really pay her much attention. So what she has to do is to... Uh, and borrow a quote unquote <laughs> her uncle's books and learn more about these goblins etc uh the whole world of magic and i'm pretty sure that, that there's like this the hot boy like like the jock the the boy that all of the girls want attention from swear to huh. god he's a fairy like his ears are are pointed and he's very pale maybe he's an elf a tolkien elf uh, but nobody has mm. mentioned that yet either uh so anyway so there's a lot uh that the uh future volumes of this book could really get into but in this mm -hmm. one, uh, I mean, hijinks ensue. Uh, she meets a talking cat. She visits a fairy market. Um, and, and like in terms of storytelling, there is narration as well as dialogue. And sometimes I get annoyed by narration, like just show me what's happening, you know? Yeah. yeah. But, in, yeah. but in this book, the narration sometimes seems like exasperated or like comments on the dialogue that's happening. It's almost like mm -hmm. a director's commentary. <laughs> uh, Interesting. So it actually works for me. Like it's a comedic element. And this is all on Hoopla, so it's it's pretty well out there. You can find it pretty easily, and I I really liked this. This one was this this story by Ted Nafee was not a bummer. It was just a a good time, a spooky fall story, YA. Okay. And if you cool. if you liked the Courtney Crumran uh, volumes, then there is a sequel series called the Crumran Chronicles by the same creator, and mm -hmm. this sequel series is about Courtney's adopted brother slash great uncle who was stuck in fairyland for a hundred years and his parents adopt him because he's still a child don't know uh i skipped i skipped the rest of the courtney crumran book so i'm kind of like dropping in after this the resolution of that series um mm -hmm. but 
Uh, it was very good. It was still a good time. It was delightful to see Courtney as a teen, kind of like she's still kind of off doing her own thing, sort of separated from the family. But there's uh, there's she's she's there for this little brother slash great uncle whenever he needs her. So uh, if you okay. if you want a, a book that has a, a male lead or um, a, an older version of Courtney or you've read the Courtney books and you want more of them, the Crumman Chronicles is where you want to go. Very cool. I I have to say I hate the title of this book uh, if only because saying Crumrin Chronicles like it like hurts my mouth in some yeah. way like even thinking Courtney Crumrin Chronicles is like I want to throw up like I'm coughing um otherwise it sounds this sounds pleasant yeah <laughs> yeah definitely just spooky kind of whimsical i mean it's sad sure. that her parents ignore her but like she clearly finds something else to do so yeah um, yeah yeah it's mostly a good time cool well let me talk about some books that i that are not a good time uh really quick <laughs> um so i did <laughs> i did read so i was trying to like again i was trying to reach outside of the bounds of a boom ogns and i was trying to find some things that were like fall vibes but maybe in the big two universe right I, i'm pretty sure i could probably find some like back to school x-men books um but that's just that's just shooting in a you know sh shooting fish in a barrel um instead i just searched like halloween and i came up with two batman books um uh, one being batman halloween comic fest special edition 2017 number one i don't know why the title's that long because it should have just been called prelude to night of the monster men which is a story arc that happened in 2017 written by tom king and steve orlando but this one-off issue was uh plotted by steve orlando and tom king written by steve orlando scripts uh on scripts i should say pencils and inks by riley rosmo you know love that guy to death colors by ivan placentia uh, letters by darren bennett and really like i said this is just a prelude to night of the monster men comic from way back in 2017 I, I think I read some issues of this. I really can't remember because I remember Riley Rossmo being on this, but then I remember finding Night of the Monster Men to be really boring. Ultimately, that is to say, like, Riley Rossmo, I love his art. I will pretty much read anything that he's on, even if it's that super, that annoying and weirdly long Martian Manhunter book that he did that I have to go back and reread because it felt like it was bad. But I think that might have been just I wasn't in the mood for police procedural book. Um, but this is not a Halloween book at all. It's it's a prelude to Night of the Monster Men, which is Dr. Hugo Strange has somehow taken a bunch of zombies and turned them into giant baby monsters that are terrorizing Gotham. Nothing has to do with halloween or fall outside of the fact that it's hurricane season on the east coast which i don't think is a good thing to associate with the east coast in general even though it is something that happens every year so that's like the fall vibes but otherwise it's just the bat family getting together and fighting off these zombie monsters which is like kind of cool but does not feel fall vibesy to me at all like it would have been interesting if if you know the bat family had to go out into the forests outside of gotham and, and fight zombies or something maybe that'd be a little bit different but this didn't feel fall vibesy at all but night of the monster men's a cool idea and more rather Ross art in my life is is never a problem I guess but the other book that I do want to talk about is Batman Madness Legends of the Dark Knight a tale of Halloween in Gotham City special this is by uh, from 1994 written by Jeff Loeb art by Tim Sale so like right away we've got an incredible combo of creators um, colors by Gregory Wright and letters by Todd Klein like this is the same team who if I remember correctly did Long Halloween and I mean, there's nothing wrong with more Tim Sale Batman art in my life. Like Tim Sale as an artist is unbelievably talented. Um, I think everyone out there knows that his passing earlier this year was really sad. But still, this is like peak 
Tim Sale art as far as I'm concerned. And really, this book is interesting because it takes place during Halloween. Barbara Gordon wants to go out on the streets uh, or go, go out in the streets of Gotham and party because she's a teenager. Batman is fighting the Mad Hatter. Um, and of course, this book can't help but somehow flash back to the night where Batman and his parents or excuse me, Bruce Wayne and his parents went out to go see Mask of Zorro and they got killed. And it turns out that the reason why Batman hates Mad Hatter so much is because his mom read him Alice in Wonderland the night before they went to go see Mask of Zorro and they died. And Bruce is the reason that she wore pearls to the movies. Like It's a whole, it's stupid. It's so <laughs> unnecessary. Just say that Batman wants to stop a villain. Like you don't, I don't know, you don't have to do that. But um, otherwise, it is pretty interesting to see Jeff Loeb write or Jim Gordon. I think his take on Jim Gordon is really interesting. He's he's struggling with being the being the police police officer. He's struggling with dealing with Batman because he knows that he can't actually like be associated with Batman. He's struggling being a parent. He's struggling trying to find all these boundaries in his life. Um, really good comic books, as far as I'm concerned. Like the hint that it is Halloween, and that is like the whole crux of the story of why Mad Hatter is doing this thing. When Barbara goes out, she gets like almost beat up or taken by these guys dressed up in skull masks and stuff like that is the only fall vibes i mean gotham in general kind of always feels like it's a rainy like october night yeah so like gotham in general is is kind of fall vibes but um yeah this doesn't really work i'm mostly just frustrated by the whole insertion of the pearl necklace bullshit like the death of his parents and this really interesting halloween story i feel like they could have spent more time on the fact that batman was fighting the mad hatter and all this crazy shit that the mad hatter puts him through um in, but instead we had to flash back to this dumb thing so anyways um yeah, not a really good example of fall vibes, but better than the Night of the Monster Men, in my opinion, because at least they were explicit about it being like a cold, slightly stormy night mm -hmm. in the middle of October. We at least got that. So um, all I'm saying is DC, Marvel, you guys got to try harder with your fall vibes. <laughs> That's all it comes down to. Um, Kate Scotchless, what's another book you read, though? I have been reading through the Over the Garden Wall comic series. Um, this mm. is Over the Garden Wall is created by Pat McHale. If you haven't watched the original um, miniseries, it's a Cartoon Network 12-part um, miniseries t like cartoon. And mm -hmm. it's the most perfect cartoon you've ever seen in your life. It is so <laughs> good. I can't stand it. I rewatch it every single year. I love it so much. First of all, if you haven't watched it, you have to watch it first. The show is just infinitely better than the comics. Um, mm -hmm. and there's no getting around that. It is just an isolated miniseries, though. There will never be more. And for that reason, we love the comics because the comics give us more of the world we love. Mm -hmm. So volume one, the first story is written in uh, art by Jim Campbell. And the second story in volume one is written by Amelia Lavari with art by Kara McGee. Ooh, Kara McGee. Yeah. So the thing like, so all of these are on Hoopla um, for the first few. They're, the Hoopla, is, I hate when they do this, where they'll have like one through three and then five and seven, and it just drives mm -hmm. me nuts. But anyway, the first couple are all on there, and they have a whole bunch of um, them on Hoopla. They are good if you already like Over the Garden Wall. I don't know that I would hand this to someone who's not already a fan. And yeah. because each volume has multiple sets of creators on it, um, they can be a little hit or miss with if you happen to like that writer and that artist on it. Mm -hmm. um, especially coming from an animated show, I notice I have more 
trouble getting into the stories drawn by artists that are farther from that art style um, of the show than the ones that are closer to it. But um, it is a solidly all ages book in the same way that the show is where Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say this is for children. I wouldn't say it's for teens. I wouldn't say it's for adults. It's just like just true all ages, just good fun. Mm -hmm. And the whole world is very just autumnal if you will and Mm -hmm. i am looking forward to i have them all checked out already on hoopla and i'm just gonna continue plowing through these for the rest of the month hell yeah i I just looked up uh, amalia lavari and her name rung a bell for some reason she wrote on the show yeah she wrote on the on the tv show so that's that's really really cool to get like someone who worked on the actual like original series to come and write comics which i gotta imagine is a totally different spectrum um of writing but sorry go ahead i I don't know it is because it's basically storyboarding right like comics are basically storyboarding oh hold on a second (laughs) (laughs) shots fired uh but but the thing the thing is part of the reason it's like uneven between creators is because some of the stories are really good and feel like watching an episode of the show right so it's um not just that some are not as good it's that some are really good which then makes the ones that aren't quite as close uh stand out and you know even though they're good yeah so yeah the thing is is it's such a quick read that i never really care that much like when you're talking about a story that takes up half a volume that's like two issues so who who cares you know like it's still uh fun it's not like when someone's like you just have to plow through volumes four (laughs) through six of the new 52 (laughs) batman and then it gets good again and you're like f that that's not happening You just 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 go like hardest stance ever. Just be like, you know what? I'm gonna skip them. I don't even care about the context. <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, zero well, no, year. That sounds awesome. I do need to. I do need to finish watching that series. I know, like blasphemy that I haven't watched it because they're so short and it's really cute and it's really. I know, Kate, you're making a face on our video. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So um, I eventually, I eventually will get through all of them because it does. The problem with it is it's so like insane i like can't take it all in like it's not a show that i can binge but i probably should just get in the habit of just like watching an episode or two a night just to get through it because uh not to get through it but because it is enjoyable and i do love elijah wood i think in all things elijah wood so it's it's good it's really really good it's very short too so it doesn't take a lot of time i was gonna say like the entire series is basically the length of a movie if you just watch them all together but yeah not too bad um kate What's the last book you have on your list for fall vibes? The last time I was at the library, I managed to pick up a manga that works really well with this theme. Uh, So I'm dropping it in this show because I really want to talk about it. And it's called The Haunted Bookstore by Shina Bumaru and then art by Meta Mayaki. And normally with manga, you don't have an artist and a writer. Mostly it's just one creator that does everything with a bunch of assistants that aren't always named. But anyway, uh, this book actually started as a light novel, but uh, then they adapted it to manga. And that's that's the version that I found. This is about a human girl who helps run a bookstore in a fairy realm that is inhabited by non-human creatures. And that just reminds me of Halloween Town completely, if you're familiar with that movie, which is basically a similar synopsis. (laughs) I know what I'm watching tonight. Oh, man, I forgot that that is on Disney Plus that I have access to. I'm going to do that tonight. That's what I'm doing. Perfect for fall. Uh, This story begins when the bookstore, uh, like she lives above the bookstore with like her foster father who is not human, basically, um, the the owner of the bookstore. So the store, these two people take in an injured young man who who kind of appeared 
uh, in front of their shop and he claims to be an exorcist. So like there is some tension there because the things that he exercises in the human realm would come here. Like this is where they live naturally. So he'll like, people are like, Oh, is that the exorcist? Oh, be careful around him. And every character in this, uh, in this book has something else going on with them. uh, Something more than you necessarily see immediately when you meet them. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes like their overly, overly excited neighbor can just like turn into a crow uh, or sometimes like the neighborhood kids only have corporeal bodies for three days, every seven years. Uh, It's all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I am a little disappointed because this the series is called The Haunted Bookstore, but so far the bookstore is not actually haunted. Uh, I hope that we'll get there. <laughs> they tricked you. Uh, they tricked you. This series is like kind of episodic nature. Like they, they you know, each each chapter kind of focuses on a new a new person in the neighborhood. Either the person is like helping them solve a problem or they are helping that person solve a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's just kind of this, uh, kind of anthology of, of connected stories. Um, there, there is something going on with this exorcist though. And I suspect that that's going to be, uh, part of the overall plot of this whole series, but I keep picking up manga volume ones that are then the beginning of, of series that only have three total translated volumes. So like the next time that I put on, you know, a dozen holds at 2 a.m. when I can't sleep, it's all going to be just volumes twos and threes. Uh, And this is this series is going in that stack. Like I I do want to finish this this series. Oh, it looks like volume two is out. So you at least should be able to get that one. Yeah, my library has that one. I have already checked. (laughs) Good, 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 good. Please, I you know at this point I now I'm starting to put together all of the number volume ones that I've seen you put in the top of our pile posts as well as talking about on this show, and I think the number of books that you're reading that are ongoing is is more than a person can handle. Kate, I I, I hope that you're doing okay. <laughs> well, I don't always pick, I don't always follow all of the series that I pick up. Like I I tend to grab if there is a a volume one of a manga at a library that I'm visiting, I just kind of grab it. And sometimes sometimes <laughs> they just don't work for me. Like I don't need to read more of them. Um, true. So true, true, I've, true. I've actually only followed series that are more than a few volumes, like maybe three or four series. Okay. Okay, so you're doing the healthy thing. You're not doing what I do, which is if I pick up the volume one, I must read all of it into perpetuity. (laughs) Yeah, because then I can properly judge whether or not it was bad, even if it was bad from beginning to end. I see. If it is only like two or three volumes, I do tend to read that whole series, but I don't get into these like 25 volume manga series if I don't like them. Right. Or let me tell you about this series that I think you might like called One Piece. And you got to really read, (laughs) you got to really read like 70 volumes before it really starts. <laughs> um cool well th- this this sounds really cute it looks it looks really cute i like the art it's from seven seas that's that's really fun yeah me too um okay well let's talk about the last book that i have on my list which is a book that i actually liked and i liked it so much that like i i think i'm gonna go like buy a copy of, of, of it because it's it's just amazing and that is Waiting for the Great Pumpkin, The Complete Peanuts. This is by Charles Schultz. I think everybody knows who Charlie Brown and the gang are. But if you don't, um, Charlie Brown, 
uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Charlie Brown's a little kid who's got life problems and he's got a whole gang of friends. He's got this cute dog named Snoopy. Um, I, I have to imagine if you're living in the modern world, you know who Charlie Brown is and you know what the peanuts are. So we're just going to talk about that. Nick recommended this to me um, as a quick read because I was talking about being very dissatisfied with some of the books that I had read uh, for this. And he's like, well, why don't you read some Charlie Brown? And I was like, that's a great idea. And it turns out this Charles Schultz guy knows what he's doing when it comes to comic strips. Sure does. <laughs> Sure does. I mean, I've read some some Charlie Brown in the past. Like, I think if you try to read the Peanuts stuff from like beginning to end, like the first volume is like kind of rough just because it's like the same joke every three comics, mm-hmm. which is which is fine. Um, but reading this, this is really fun because it's uh, a collection of multiple years of uh, Linus from the Peanuts uh, basically waiting for the Great Pumpkin, you know, and and all of the other Peanuts characters being like, Linus, there's no such thing as the Great Pumpkin. It's just Santa Claus that you're doing. And he's like, no, this is different. Santa Claus does it out of obligation. The, pu- the Great Pumpkin delivers presents out of a moral like need to please people. <laughs> like what are you talking about like and again this is all delivered all of this story is delivered in little four four panel strips um it's it's so fun and it's very very funny like i've I've, multiple times i was laughing out loud at how just dumb and funny all of these strips were but yeah like i said this covers multiple years so like the first year it's just linus talking to charlie brown and next year he's talking to charlie brown and he's talking to lucy his older sister and then the the i think the last volume or last chunk of this is Linus talking to Charlie Brown's sister, whose name I can't remember, and convincing her to stay out all night with him to wait for the Great Pumpkin to rise out of their pumpkin patch. Um, if you've seen the Great Pumpkin, uh, or like it's a Halloween special or whatever the hell it's called on uh, uh, from the the Peanuts like animated things that were made back in the '60s, you probably are familiar with this story. Um, but really, it's it's really really good, and I feel like my nostalgia for Charlie Brown and the gang from watching the Christmas special and this Halloween special probably fueled some of my enjoyment of this. But nonetheless, I think if you sat down and read this, you would have a really good time. It's like sixty three pages, and it's really really funny, and you you kind of just come out of it feeling like this sense of this sense of innocence of of childhood truly portrayed on on paper. So um, kudos to Fanagraphics for keeping these stories alive. I'm sure someone will be publishing them, but I think Fanagraphics does a really good job of making sure that the stories just exist as they are. They don't add any extra fluff. They keep them in these really high quality, like stylized books, but otherwise they just are you know, comics on the page with nothing else. And it's it's really, really well done. If you see them in your library, you, you're able to or you buy them from Fanagraphics. Um, you can get like the big collected editions of like strips week by week or day by day or whenever they were published. But I think they did special published editions for this and some of the Christmas stuff that Schultz did. So yeah, this is really, really fun. Really great read. I can't recommend it enough because it's just like, it, it like put me in a really good mood after I read it because it's just so nice and wholesome. So highly recommend Waiting for the Great Pumpkin. Speaking my um, language, Mike. <laughs> it's again 63 page like th- th- i could sell like i could get you to either buy like a single issue comic that's like 32 pages or you could read this and guarantee you have a good time mm-hmm. like come on it's, it's such a such a fun read um well i guess are there any last thoughts that we have about fall vibes comics i i want to c- complain and rant about <laughs> people on the internet writing articles that are like 12 comics that continue the fall vibes throughout the season um and they like recommend like department of truth and like the autumnal which yeah. are like these horror books that sure <laughs> they use oranges and browns but that doesn't make them a fall but i mean the autumnal is literally about like a monster i think that lives in the forest spirits of the fall but like even still like when i think fall vibes 
that's not I'm not thinking like horror monster that's going to suck the bones out of my body while I'm still alive, you know? That is definitely a thing I see too like for the book world. Like Goodreads just put out a a th- a thing and it's just it literally just horror genre like anything yeah, at all yeah. horror genre i don't that doesn't give me the the fall thing also i want to be cozy not terrified right. um right. i did read some adult like quote-unquote fall comics that are on those lists like something is the killing the children comes up a lot right now on yeah. lists which yeah it's really good it's dark and spooky uh it is not what i'm looking for right now it's not where right. my heart's at there's like two sides to this coin of fall vibes yeah. i think and yeah. i think for some reason everyone defaults to the horror side when there is clearly based on what we've talked about this week and on previous episodes like there's a totally different side of that fall vibes feeling that you can get mm-hmm. right i did reread black magic this year because oh. because of the collection um on hoopla the way they've done it you can do it with just two checkouts read the whole series and it is one of those books that is so perfect on digital because of the way the magic is colorized and everything else yeah. is black and white it pops so beautifully on digital and every it's fantastic. Everyone should grab it. I've talked about it on past fall episodes, though, so I didn't want to bring mm-hmm, it up. Mm-hmm. But uh, that that is like the spooky level I want if we're going to do spooky yeah. for fall mm-hmm. where it is still very fall esque. But then there's like suspension tension to it instead of coziness. But I don't want to just see a spider demon. <laughs> well, spoilers for, for some an episode coming up. Goodreads this month, our theme is spooky, not scary. Um, and fortunately, funny enough, you and Kate are <laughs> going to be on that episode at the end of this month. So folks that are looking forward to continuing the ride of spooky, not scary after Halloween, we'll have an episode where we're going to talk all about that. But yeah, I 100% agree. Black Magic is right at the top yep. of that list as like a consistent just suspense procedural story that i don't know nicholas scott and greg rucka they just nail it with that book yeah i don't know kate uh lamphere any any final thoughts from you on on things i just want to read more more fall vibes books so uh i guess you'll be hearing from me about this again in a few weeks (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm uh you know that's the thing if folks out there have uh suggestions uh, for for fall vibes books that maybe we didn't mention or they listen to the other episodes they want us to bring other stuff back let us know send us an email at ircbpodcast at gmail.com but I guess that's going to wrap up our show this week uh, thank you Kate and Kate for being on the episode thank you Brian for, for proof listening next week's show is going to be me Paul and Brian we don't have a topic for the episode but it's going to be wild I'm certain I have a feeling I'm going to bring up Andor the TV show and we might talk about that the whole time I don't know <laughs> we'll see but uh, it's going to be fun uh, as always, you can check us out on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Discord, Goodreads. We've got all the links in the show notes, so make sure you go there for all that stuff. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Infinity Shred does all of our music. They're the best band in the universe. Xander's here, and it's already too late for all of us, so sorry. Uh, I want to say thank you again to Kate and Kate and Brian, and for everyone on Discord, everyone out there listening. Um, you are wonderful people, and thank you so much for getting this far in the episode. It's always great to know that you're listening this far in the credits. <laughs> Until next time, comics are good, and so are you. This is for you, Xander.